Turn in your Bible, please, to Galatians chapter 5. We have been going through the book of Galatians chapter by chapter, not able to hit on every verse or point, but just taking an overview of this book chapter by chapter. Galatians chapter 5. Today there are 20 six verses and we'd like to read these verses may we bow together in prayer our Heavenly Father we thank thee for already what we have experienced here today in the singing of these precious hymns and the reminder to our hearts by the sermon and song that Jesus is master and Redeemer and Lord Open our hearts to Jesus in a fresh way today. And Lord, we are mindful as we stand before your people of the terrific, staggering responsibility to speak to men for God. We dare not do this without speaking to God for men first. Cleanse our heart. And I just pray that I'll be emptied of self and filled with Jesus as we proclaim this wonderful gospel. Touch the hearts of those who are not saved, and may the Holy Spirit draw them to Jesus. We pray in His name. Amen. Reading from Galatians chapter 5. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty with which Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you, Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would they were even out cut off who trouble you. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, 
Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led by the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, wrath, factions, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and the like. Of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another and envying one another. Paul was writing to the Galatians, which is a region in Asia Minor, sometimes called Bithynia. On his first and third missionary journeys, Paul visited that region. On his second missionary journey, he wanted to go there, but the Spirit would not let him and told him to go to Troas instead. And from Troas, he took the gospel to Europe, and thus the first gospel church was built on European soil, the church at Philippi, with a lady as the first convert. But Paul was writing to the Galatians because of a very serious problem. The Judaizers who believed in Jesus, but who believed it was not enough simply to trust Jesus as your Savior. There had to be more added to it. In addition to trusting Jesus, one needed to keep the Jewish law, the Old Testament law. And so in order for a Gentile to be saved, the Judaizers were teaching that that Gentile had for all practical purposes to become a Jew. He had to be circumcised. He had to keep the law. He had to worship on Saturday. He had to tithe his income and on and on and on. Now, none of those things in themselves is bad. We're not here condemning those works. They're good. There's nothing wrong with them. But when they are placed in a position of co-redeemership with Christ, they become heresy. And that's the thing that got Paul's feathers up. That's the thing that riled him and caused him to write the entire six chapters of Galatians to say a Gentile does not have to become a Jew in order to be saved. Salvation is in Christ Jesus alone and Him alone. Now with this in our background and in our thought and as 
the context from which to speak concerning this chapter. I want to speak to you this morning on the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas. There are lots of things that are attracting our attention this Christmas season. And sometimes we substitute secondary things for primary things. There's a song that says Christmas is in the air. Every time we go shopping, we hear all these Christmas songs. And I heard on the radio the other day that somebody had devised or had copied from the rock group this strategy of putting on those Christmas songs something that you read that you hear backward and it says something to your subconscious mind and it leads you to believe that you must go and buy such and such a thing and so on I don't know whether you heard it or not but this was something was going on in some of the department stores along with the Christmas songs there were those subtle suggestions that you go and buy this or buy this or buy this and so we are in peril today of not really understanding what the real Christmas spirit is sometimes we think the Christmas spirit is snow I like snow but we say I'm dreaming of a white Christmas just like the Christmases we used to know well very few of us in Kentucky have known many white Christmases it usually uh, gets white in January or February but sometimes we think that's the spirit of Christmas sometimes we think the spirit of Christmas is the shopping where we go bustling and bumping into everybody and running in I understand there's a doll for sale this Christmas and uh, you go in and try to get that doll and you and the only way you can get it is to fight somebody else off of it because there's a limited number and somebody said there was a fight right here in Bowling Green over getting one of those dolls and some think think well maybe that's the spirit of Christmas and there are others who think the spirit of Christmas is the spirits of Christmas there are signs all across Bowling Green uh, don't go anywhere stop until you have visited our shop and seen all the spirits that we have and you know the spirits they're talking about you read the magazines and they tell you that you cannot have Christmas without this drink and this drink and this drink and so we get all confused as to what the real spirit of Christmas is and there are others who say the spirit of Christmas is our family reunions and that's certainly important where we get together with our loved ones and our families as a matter of fact next Sunday is December 25th Christmas Sunday this will be a good trial to see whether we really believe that the spirit of Christmas is Jesus or the spirit of the Christmas is the Christmas tree with opening of our gifts and somebody said well we better not have church on that Sunday because nobody will come they'll all be opening their gifts for Christmas and so we have substituted that for the spirit of Christmas well I think Paul put his finger on the real spirit of Christmas in Galatians chapter 5 and we want to look at that just a moment you know there have been some who get upset because of all the beauty that we uh, that we uh, associate with Christmas like the beautiful Christmas tree 
And uh, Baptists went through a long period of saying we're not going to even observe Christmas because uh, there is one group that has sort of forced this on the Christian world and they have uh, uh, taken away its true meaning and so there were many many years that that fundamental Baptists did not observe Christmas at all Christmas is a time when we can restate the wonderful doctrines of the Incarnation Christmas is a time when we can relive that spirit of Jesus and ask Jesus to make it real and true in our lives all through the year. Actually, December 25th was the observance in the ancient world of the sun god. It was a pagan holiday. And the whole world stopped in the, at, at that particular time. And they honored the sun. Well, I think it was Chrysostom, the great preacher of bygone years in the early Christian movement, who brought to the attention of the church the fact that while the pagan world was observing the sun god and honoring the sun god, we Christians ought to honor the incarnation of God when God became flesh and dwelt among men. And thus, Christmas was superimposed upon a pagan holiday. And we ought not to get too upset when the pagans of the world go back to observing it in the pagan way. I've heard over and over again, well, they've secularized Christmas. And they've uh, done this and this to Christmas. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Christmas was always like that. What Christians need to do is remember that while the world is celebrating December 25th their way, God's people need to celebrate it His way. Honoring the Lord God who shall reign forever and ever. Next Sunday, December 25th, we're going to face that. All through the week we face it. When we go shopping, we face it. We sometimes can take on what the world does and we push and we shove and we forget who we are and we take up the arms with the world and we forget the spirit of Christmas. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, I think, uh, several things that the spirit of Christmas really is. Number one, look in verse 13. The spirit of Christmas is the spirit of royalty. The spirit of royalty. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Now in the ancient world, the only people that had liberty were the royalty. And when the Romans conquered the world, they did an unusual thing. They gave to their citizens a certain degree of liberty. That's the reason Paul could say, I was born a free man in Tarsus. And to be a Roman citizen was to be a free person. When he was whipped, Paul said to those who whipped him, dare you whip a Roman soldier, a Roman citizen? And boy, just like that, they took it back and they wanted to release him because he was a man of liberty. 
the Roman world, the Roman government had extended the liberty of royalty to all of its citizens. That's what Jesus came to do. He came to set us at liberty from ourselves and from sin and from shame and all those things that would drag us in the undercurrent down, down, down. Jesus gave us liberty. And the whole way of liberty is not through a law. It is not through some legal system. It is a judicial act whereby God hath declared that your sin stains and your sin shame and all of the things of your past have been cleansed by the precious blood of Christ and you are at liberty before God, before yourself, before hell, before a world. You are a liberated man and woman. The ERA could learn a lot by studying about the Bible and studying about what Jesus did. Do you know, ladies, there was never a friend to women like Jesus. The greatest friend women ever had was Jesus. And those who are active in that movement so often tend to forget about it. You don't need ERA to have liberty among women. My dear ladies, God set you free. In the ancient Chinese world, they bound the feet of women. And when our missionaries went there, Lottie Moon and others, they tried to discourage that ignoble practice. And they began to set women at liberty. Over in the Middle East to this date, those who do not, know, do, not, do not know God, who do not know Jesus, the women wear big things over their heads and veils over their face with shame. Jesus removed all of that. He set us at liberty. Men and women. Jesus never taught there were not different roles. And when the scripture says there is no difference between man, woman, between bond and free in Christ. That doesn't mean there's no difference of roles. There's a big difference in roles. But before Christ, we are all one. We have been set at liberty. Now we are at liberty from the law. We're not saved by keeping some kind of a law. As a matter of fact, Paul said in verse 4, Christ has become of no effect unto you, Whosoever you are who are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. I had a dear Methodist friend point that out to me one time we were talking. He said, now, you know, you Baptists don't believe in falling from grace, but I can prove to you it's scriptural. And he turned to that verse. You're fallen from grace. I said, well, you just uh, expound that to me a little bit. Tell me what that says and what that means. Well, he said, what do you mean? I said, well, you dig into it a little bit and just teach me what is that verse saying? And he began to study it, and he studied it, and he studied it, and he studied it, and pretty soon a smile came on his face. And he said, well, uh, um, I guess I better not use that verse. You see, that is saying, if you study it carefully enough, it is saying, if you try to be justified by the law, you are under obligation to keep the whole law and you're fallen clear away from grace 
and there's no grace for you. You have to be justified totally by the law. And whoever of you tries that, you are falling away from grace and Christ has no part in you and you're under obligation to be perfect. And of course, nobody can be perfect. And so therefore, nobody can be saved. But you see, in Christ, we are adopted into his family because of his death on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And Christ has set us, set us as royalty in this earth. He has made us kings and priests unto our God. We are part of God's aristocracy in the earth. That's the reason Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. We're to make a difference in this world because he has called us to royalty, liberty. Secondly, the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of refutation. There are some off limits. There are some things that as citizens of heaven, those who are God's children need to put down. You've heard that old expression, down boy? Kids use it a lot. Well, it's a scriptural term. Not that word, not that phrase, but it's pretty good. We're told over and over again to mortify the deeds of the flesh. And here, the Holy Spirit under the Apostle Paul, uh, direct, directing the, the Apostle Paul, tells us what to mortify, what to put down, what to refute from our lives. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And he lists 17 sins of the flesh and he says these are to be refuted from your life listen to them adultery fornication uncleanness lasciviousness idolatry sorcery hatred strife jealousy wrath factions seditions heresies envyings murders drunkenness reveling all of those 17 works of the flesh are to be refuted from a Christian's life and the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of refutation, getting rid of these things. You know, at Christmas time, there's joy, there's a love, there's forgiveness. Uh, the song says there's a song in the air, there's a star in the sky. And some people have said, I wish it could be Christmas forever. Because at Christmas, we, we don't hold grudges against each other. We don't have harbored feelings of ill will. If we have them, we forget them for a day. Even families that many times are divided and disagreeing come together at Christmas and try to bury the hatchet, try to be good to each other. Now, that's the spirit of Christmas. But what Jesus wants us to do is to do that all year. He says, put away from you all of these works of the flesh. Refute them from your life and let Christ be all in all. Thirdly, the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of righteousness. Look in verse 21. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Against such there is no law. He lists at least nine things that are fruits of the righteousness of Jesus in our lives. Now, how does this all come about? 
Look in verses 5 and 6. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Righteousness is of faith. And these fruits of the Spirit are all fruits of righteousness. They're the fruits that Jesus can give you. Ask Him for them. How do you have love? Ask Him for it because it's not natural for us to love. We hate. We're selfish. There's not a man, woman, boy, or girl within the sound of my voice today who's not selfish. We all are. And in order for us to be unselfish, for us to love, for us to have peace, for us to have power, for us to have joy, for us to have these fruits of righteousness, fruits of the Spirit, they must come from Jesus. And when He is operative in our lives, and He has free course through us, then we have that blessedness that we all want as the Spirit of Christmas. Do you really want love all year? Ask Him for it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you really want joy? Lots of people are saying, well, there's no joy. Boy, people have treated me so mean. and People have been so unkind to me. And I've been stepped on and I've been hurt. Sure you have. There are not many of us that haven't been. Some have been hurt more than others in life's hurdles. Some are bending neath the crushing blow of the reality of sin in this world. And you look up and say, like Longfellow did in that poem, There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And that's true. So where do you get this love? Where do you get this joy? You don't get it by going and buying it over at Kmart. That's nothing against Kmart. You don't get it buying it at Sears. You don't go get it by going to the mall or the new supermarket or anywhere else and bustling with all the people. I'm not preaching against those things. We have to do some of that. But I want to tell you, that doesn't give you love, joy, peace, and pardon, and purpose, and all those things. You get that as the Holy Spirit is allowed to be operative and powerful in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, and possess me and take over the reins of my heart and let all bitterness and wrath and clamor and evil speaking be put away with all malice and be kind one to another tender-hearted forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you if you really want to know how to forgive look for a moment take stock of your life of how of people who hurt you that they're just dust do you remember that or do you hold them guilty God looks at you and me in Jesus Christ and he remembers that we're just dust and like a father pitieth his children so the Lord pitieth them that fear him and so the spirit of Christmas 
is the spirit of imputed righteousness by Jesus Christ in which we allow the love of the Holy Spirit, the joy of the Holy Spirit, the peace of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, the pardon of the Holy Spirit, the purpose of the Holy Spirit to manifest himself in us, to us, and through us in the lives of others. That's the spirit of Christmas. Last of all, the spirit of Christmas is the spirit of making room, making room. Look in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us not walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The Spirit of Christmas is the Spirit of making room. They came to Bethlehem town under the edict of Quirinius and Caesar Augustus because of the taxing, but there was no room for Jesus. And he was born in a manger because there was no room for him in the end. Is there room for Jesus in your life today? Is there room for Jesus in our church today? Is there room for Jesus in our families today? Is there room for Jesus when we go shopping this week? Is there room for Jesus to be Lord of Lords and King of Kings and to have his way with us? Or Shall we be filled with ourselves and with our own plans and our own bitterness and our own hurts? I had a dear lady in a nursing home to say to me the other day, I used to pout, but I don't pout anymore because pouting isn't the way a Christian lives. And do you know, when we were children, we pouted. Do you ever pout as a child? Sometimes we pout today, don't we? Sometimes people have not grown up. We just copy that same old pattern and bring it into adulthood. And when somebody hurts us or hurts our feelings, we pout. Boy, we get offensive and we get hurt and uh, we're not gonna make it right. So we're gonna just wait till that person comes and apologizes to me and makes it all right with me. That's not God's way. God's way is for us to make so much room for Jesus in our heart that we do what he did when he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And that's the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas is the spirit of royalty, liberty. The spirit of refutation, putting out of our lives some things that our excess baggage that God doesn't want there. The spirit of righteousness and the imputed righteousness, Jesus reigning in our lives. The spirit of making room for Jesus to rule and making room for him in our lives. It all begins by inviting Jesus in as Savior and Lord. May we bow together in prayer. With our hearts bowed before God for just a moment. It is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And the Lord Jesus died, born to die for us. Heavenly Father, help somebody today to turn to Jesus. Receive him as Savior and Lord. In Christ's name, amen. May we stand, please. 
just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. This is God's invitation. In a moment, this service will be history. This is Sunday, December the 18th. What will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the spirit of Christmas? Will you go on your own way? Or will you say, Jesus, I want to be so possessed, so filled with Thee, that this Christmas will be different. And as we go into 1984 in just a few weeks, I'll go with that spirit of Jesus reigning, ruling in my life. Would you? It begins by making room for Christ in your heart. By inviting Him purposely, personally to come in. And saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. And I know that Jesus died for my sins, that He shed His blood for me. And I invite Christ into my heart. I ask Him to forgive me. I'm willing to repent of sin and ask Jesus to be my Savior. Would you do that today? God help you to do it. If you've already been saved but have not confessed Him openly and have never been baptized, come to Jesus today. Come openly and take a stand for God. If your membership is in another church and God wants you here, you come. While we begin to sing, who will step out for Christ? God help you to do it.